Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to West Indies on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. I'm your co-host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my other co-host, Santokin Aguilendron, also from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We're your home for West Indies cricket content, and we'll be right here several times every week discussing them. You can find us in your favourite podcast places, on YouTube, or in our 99.94 app. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, we're talking about Brian Lara and West Indian cricket coaches. Santoki, take it away. Yeah, we're here to talk about Brian Lara, but this isn't a nostalgia episode. We're not looking at his greatest innings for West Indies as much as a lot of you would be happy to hear that. We're here to look at the news this week that Brian Lara has been made head coach of IPL franchise Sunriders Hyderabad. Now, he was he was a batting coach for the 2022 season, but for 2023, he'll be taken over for Tom, from Tom Moody as the head coach and running the franchise. Now, Machel, was this a decision that surprised you? Did it catch you off guard? Or were you expecting King Brian Lara to take the helm at an IPL franchise sooner rather than later? Okay, get ready, people. Get ready. <laughs> if you want your... If you want your shock jock statement from West Indies <laughs> on 99.94 DM, here it comes in five, four, three, two, one. Who's Brian Lara? Who is Brian Lara? Someone tell me who Brian Lara is to be getting a top coaching job. Now, now before you all come for me in the comments and say, how dare I say that about one of the legends of the game, let's actually deconstruct this properly. What I mean by that is, does it matter if somebody has coaching credentials or not? Okay. And at the end of the day, I don't own an IPL franchise. I don't know. I don't own any franchise. Some might even say, listen to this. What do you know about the game of cricket? Brian Lara is one of the greatest ever batters to to grace this earth in the in the in the world game and i don't doubt that in fact that's true that comment's true he might even be the greatest ever to to take up a cricket bat but does that translate to him being a great cricket coach where is the line santoki between being a great player and following the pathways that others have to follow in terms of getting their coaching qualifications to then rise their way to the top or because Brian Lara is one of the greatest of all times, does he not need to go down that route? Yeah, well, I think firstly, you've shown there are no rules on 99.94 DM. We started a show by saying, who is Brian Lara? <laughs> but Masha, I think you I think you pose a very pertinent question. What are sort of the standards that we're holding us, that the game's holding itself to in employing coaches? I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit, but we've interviewed Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, Donovan Miller, who's kind of earned his level four coaching badges, but hasn't been able to kind of have a top level job in the IPL or international level. Whereas contrastingly, Brian Lara, who's relatively, well, the batting coach job, I think was his first sort of coaching job. And he's already become a head coach of an IPL franchise based on his playing career. Now, for me, I think, as you rightly pointed out, IPL franchises 
do operate slightly different. If you look at their history, Ricky Ponting was given a, the head coach job of Mumbai, I think, in 2014, won the title in 2015, had no previous coaching experience. Mahela Jai Wardenar, same thing as what again, 2017 Mumbai Indians. So they do have precedent for having legends of the game come in to a franchise side and be given a head coach role. Now I think franchises do slightly different from differ from international cricket because it's not a long-term thing. It's a short-term six-week, eight-week tournament where essentially you're not focusing on the technical aspects of the players because the players are already made. Most of the overseas players have come for big money because they've proven themselves. Essentially, it's all about man management. How can you galvanise the franchise players to perform in a short space of time? So when I spoke to Nicholas Poran um, earlier this year, he talked about Brian Lara being a great player, legend of the game he looked up to, and that helping him kind of, as a mentor, having that kind of someone of that calibre helped him. So I see franchise cricket as being slightly different. I think you probably can get away with having little to no coaching experience in franchise cricket just because... The backroom staff, you'd have a bowling coach, a batting coach, a strength and conditioning coach, a physio, a whole team of coaches who work on the technical aspects. And essentially, you're an ambassador as head coach. You've got to galvanise the players, charisma, drag them back up after a loss. And so former legends of the game, they have that clout to do that because they're respected in the game by most overseas players. I mean, even like a, a someone like Chris Gale in franchise cricket, he would look up to Brian Lara because Brian Lara's of what Brian Lara's achieved. Um, so I think it's different. Whereas international cricket, if Brian Lara was announced as a successor to uh, Phil Simmons, you'd have to throw question marks. You'd be like, what has he done to earn this? Because it's a long-term thing. You're building a team over three, four years and that your coaching credentials come into question. So for me, I think, as you said, it doesn't seem completely fair that Brian Lara's got this job. But in the context of franchise cricket, it makes complete sense because the IPL at the end of the day goes after names, big names. It's a glamour tournament. So for me, I think they put that to the forefront of their recruitment in getting Brian Lara to headline the Sunrisers Hyderabad because naturally it will get headlines. It's already got headlines and it will give the franchise publicity, which is what they need. Probably more than hiring a, a technical coach who's not really known in the world game and doesn't can't draw in that publicity. So I think Brian Lara as a PR exercise and just having that name and career behind him, it makes perfect logical sense why he has been chosen as a successor for um, the Sunrisers Hyderabad. But it just sort of, as you said, it leaves the question of if you are a coach in the region who's done their qualifications and credentials, what must you be thinking? How do I get an opportunity to kind of get these gigs? Listen, that's a super compelling argument. I can't even, I can't even try and find some flaws and I will attempt to, but I can't really find <laughs> some holes, uh, flaws and holes in your argument there because yes, and like you say, the people who are outside my front door right now who have come for me after that statement about Brian Lara, let me now, let me try and delve into it a little bit more. Here's my thing, Santoki. I only know of two times where Brian Lara has been involved in a cricketing setup. And so when I, I'm going to outline these times to you, and then I want you to tell me if you think that matters or not. Firstly, last year, as you pointed out, he was already with Sunrisers. And if I'm not mistaken, Sunrisers did poorly yet again um, as a franchise. He was there as like, I think he was there as like lead batting culture or something like that. And um, without delving too much into it, in fact, let me find my stats to, to back it up. Uh, last season, the Sunrisers, I can't remember where they finished. Um, you, you will tell me in a minute. Um, in fact, I've got it right here. Six wins and eight defeats uh, last season didn't make the playoffs. And they were poor the season before that, before Brian Lara was even there. That's one. Two, in 2019, and I don't know how many West Indian fans remember this, India toured, um, late 2019, India toured the West Indies. And Brian Lara 
and Ramnaresh Sarwan were invited by Cricket West Indies to join the West Indies camp. And they took up the invitation to join the West Indies camp to help the West Indian batters, right, um, ahead of that India tour. I think this was just before Phil took the job. So Floyd Reefer, I think, was still in charge of the team, right? I'm just going to remind you, Santolki, what happened in that test series. First test, India won by 318 runs. West Indies made 222 all out and 100 all out. Remember when uh, Bumrah took that five-wicket uh, that, that five haul and just blew us away, right? Next test. Next test. Uh, India won by 257 runs. West Indies, 117 all out. Second innings, 210 all out. Now, that's the great Brian Lara going to help the West Indies team in the test series. And we didn't make a score over 222 in four attempts against India. I'm not saying that means he's not going to be a good head coach. But what I am saying is when I collate the evidence of what he's done so far in anything that can be deemed part of a coaching team, I'm not finding any compelling evidence to say, yes, he must get a top gig now, other than the fact that, well, of course he must. He, he, he's Brian Lara. Where do you stand on that argument? Yeah, no, I think that's a completely compelling argument. Um, The evidence doesn't back up that he's sort of earned this, other than the fact he is Brian Lara. As you said, he's worked... He's worked as a consultant for the India test. Obviously, we're not expecting miracle results. We're not expecting John Campbell to have scored a double century in that just because Brian Lara's there. But sort of the ground in there, the progress, you can't really judge it because he's not done well in the India test. And then Sunrise is the As you said, they've had a very mediocre season, particularly with the bat. So you're wondering what has he sort of highlighted or demonstrated? Because I'm assuming there would still be some sort of presentation or interview for him to get this role as head coach at Sunrise. So what has he sort of used as evidence to prove his credentials as a coach? So again, this draws back to the point that it's essentially a glamorous signing, like a coach with a big name, Brian Lara. Now this poses the question, Mash, if, as we said, we, we think Phil Simmons will eventually step down after the 2023 World Cup. It's not confirmed, but just based on kind of our own instincts and the situation of West Indies at the moment. Would you rather have a Donovan Miller, Floyd Reefer guy, someone who's worked on the ground, earned their coaching credentials, or would you take a gamble on Brian Lava sort of galvanising a team that hasn't got much confidence and saying, look, here's I scored 400, this is what I can do, come on guys, we can do it, and use that feel-good factor to build the momentum. Where would you stand? Do you see him as having a career in the West Indies at international cricket, or do you think he essentially would need to win a few titles with Sunrisers or do something amazing at franchise level before we can even consider him? Well, that's a very good question because does Brian Lara have any ambition to coach the West Indies? I would say no, because if he did, he would have made it clear by now. I think there is no difference to Andre Russell chasing the big IPL bag and Brian Lara chasing the big IPL bag. I don't see any difference in it whatsoever. I sometimes hear people say when they're like sack Phil Simmons, they're like, bring Brian Lara, bring the legends in. And I remember having a conversation with a, with a good uh, colleague of mine who made the point that these legends, and I'll use Lara as an example, would never want to give up basically nine months of the year to go round the world with the West Indies playing ODIs, tests, T20s, etc. A head coach position for an international side is just basically means long, long time away from your family. 
and in the West Indies case, losing the large majority of those games. So that's not a critique of Lara at all. I don't, I'm not saying that to say, oh, therefore I can't take him seriously. But on the flip side, how do I phrase this? If he really wants to coach, shouldn't his priority be West Indies? And what's that? That sounds weird because I'm not saying it must be West Indies, but if he really wanted to coach and you're one of the greats of the West Indian game, wouldn't your first priority be the West Indies to to give back in that sense? Am I, am I being harsh there? I might well be being harsh. No, I think you're spot on with the comparison to Andre Russell. I think, as you said, to, uh, coaching West Indies is essentially a thankless job at the moment. You're going on long tours, taking losses across all formats. So it can be quite demoralising. And also, if, you, if you've got a family, it's quite tough. You're on the road a lot. Whereas an IPL gig is two months. You get a big payday, probably the same as you would as a West Indies coach for the whole year in that one stint as an IPL coach. And you're not really as hands-on. You've got a big team around you. You've got experienced players anyway. Um, so it's completely different. And I think, yeah, as you said, I think... The fact that Brian Lara, because what is he now, like 52, 53 years old? Um, mm. The fact he's it's relatively late for him to come into coaching, for me, means I don't think he has international ambitions. Maybe he's been convinced to kind of t- dip his foot in the IPL waters. But I think, as you rightly pointed out, Mash, um, if he did harbour ambitions to be West Indies coach, he would have done it five, ten years ago, you'd imagine, because that would be the natural first stepping stone. And if Brian Lara ten years ago did say... I want to be West Indies coach. They would probably give him the job straight away because it would it would have been so soon after his playing career and he would have that credential. So for me, I don't think... He's never said anything publicly about wanting to coach West Indies. I think if you're looking at a former legend who is going along the path where of coaching the West Indies, it would have to be Shivnarayan Chandapur. Um, obviously, yeah, he's coached 100%. the under-19 uh, US women's team. Now he's moved on to the Talawas. It's early days, but they've got two wins out of two games so far. Um, it's quite interesting because he wouldn't come across as a natural leader. He seems quite quiet, introverted, but he could have that tactical knowledge, that acumen that, as a legend of the game who, who can pass on that knowledge. So for me, I think if we're looking at a legend who will be West Indies coach sooner rather than later, I think it's Shivnarayan Chandapur rather than uh, Brian Lara. But it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and if anything, you using that example just shows how the IPL is a law unto itself in, in many ways because the pathways are there. Shiv has now taken or is in the process of, I think he may have obtained it now, he's level three, right? Um He, like you say, has just coached the U.S. or is the culture of the U.S. women's team, U.S. under-19s. He's currently the coach of the Jamaica Talawas, who at the time of recording are two from two in the CEPL, despite the Talawas looking on paper like one of the weaker sides um, in the tournament. So there are pathways. If I call some other names in the Caribbean, Gary Matherin has his level three. Nikita Miller has his level three. Donovan Miller, who he... um, did an interview with on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast recently, has his level four. So there are people out there in the Caribbean following the appropriate pathways to get the top gigs. And actually, I'll throw this at you, Santolki. If Lara genuinely wanted to coach within the region, forget IPL, he could have got a CPL job. At any point in time, he could have put his name towards a CPL franchise. So forget IPL. Let's just talk our own tournament. He could have put his name towards CPL, whether that be TKR or whoever, and said, you know what? I'm Brian Lara. I'd like to coach a CPL side. And he would have got the big bag. Let me me rebound that question. I'm going to say to you, do you think Brian Lara has dodged getting a job in the Caribbean or West Indies because he feels more support from Indian fans in India than he would do in the Caribbean region. Do you think that plays a part in any of it? Well, I just asked who Brian Lara is, so yes. 
when this reaches Brian Lara's ears, I'm going <laughs> to... But um, no, I actually... Do you know what? I'd say yes to that answer. I think much like probably Chris Gale would say he's, he's more loved in India than he would be loved uh, across the Caribbean region. I think it's a similar argument like that. But also... The, the counter-argument and in defence of Lara, who would want to coach in the Caribbean? Because you're in danger of ruining your legacy. Do you, yeah. do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, he can coach the Sunrisers, have a woeful season, and he's still the goal. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can come to the Caribbean, coach a CPL side, worst coach West Indies, <laughs> start losing, and everyone will just cuss you out. <laughs> Like you never did nothing. (laughs) It's interesting because like on our own social media account, it tends to be people outside, fans outside the Caribbean who praise Lara as the legend. Within Caribbean fans, there's not that, there is a respect for him, but not the high regard you'd expect based on his numbers and his achievements. So you wonder if that, has a part in him. For instance, he's coaching, the, uh, he's captain in the West Indies legend side in the tournament in India this week as well, and then going on to the IPL. So you just wonder whether he just feels sort of the Caribbeans abandoned him, that fan base, they don't show the sort of respect that he gets it outside, particularly in the subcontinent. And so he just feels more comfortable in India, having jobs in India, because you, as you said, it won't tarnish his legacy. Whereas, as you know, if you coach Trimbago Knight Riders and lost, didn't win the CPL, there'd be a massive regional cuss out um, going on and on about him. So, whereas, as you said, if Sunrisers don't perform, fans in India will st- still say it's Brian Lara. He gave us the memories when we were younger, like he's one of the all-time greats. So you almost feel like he's got a free pass in India, and that's probably why he's gone there rather than going to the Caribbean, where it's essentially a lose-lose because if he won the CPL, it'd be like, ah, oh, he's got he's got a strong team. It was easy as a small tournament, that kind of thing. If he lost it, it'd be a cuss-out. So probably, it's, as I see, he's got a free pass in India to get the job. And I don't think we'll ever see him in the Caribbean just because there's too many pitfalls, you'd imagine, in the environment. Um, and it sort of dates back to when he was captain, sort of the criticism he did get and all that kind of thing in the region. So I'd imagine, yeah, as you slightly said, if he was going to coach in the Caribbean, it would have been a few years ago. I think that ship has sort of sailed. Yeah, I think um, if we if we kind of sum it up, we'd say respect uh, respect talks and money talks, and in both regards, he has it in ample uh, volumes in India, and there would be question marks about to what extent um, he has it. He, he has it within the within within the Caribbean, and um, I guess I would also say the fact that Lara's accepted the job now or decided to kind of step into the head coach role now what i would say is and again this is in defense of lara here this may well be the beginning of him trying to get coaching jobs so for example don't be surprised if like we saw him from here so okay he coaches sunrisers then he might go to that the uae league to get a big bag in the uae league or he might go to that south african league to get a big bag or wherever else i just don't think he'll he'd consider that in the um in the caribbean context but worse than Toki, um and maybe this is the final point we, we we should talk about what does that say though about and it, it goes back to my pathways question for caribbean coaches but a different way now can any caribbean coach get a big bag job other than somebody like the stature of Alara. Now, hear me out before you answer that. So, for example, if they wanted to, 
could you see in the future a Chris Gale or a Kyron Pollard jumping into a big bag job just off the nature of, because at the end of the day, they're, they're T20 goats. So let's say Kyron Pollard, who's 35 now, let's say 10 years from now, a 45-year-old Kyron Pollard says, you know what, I want a coaching job. He's a goal in the T20 sense. Would that catapult him into a big bag job, irrespective of coaching credentials? Or are we just saying Lara is a is in the stratosphere of cricketing greats, so he can, and there's no one else in the Caribbean who who could really and truly get that kind of opportunity. It's an interesting one. I I think Pollard, because of his legacy in the IPL for Mumbai Indians, and also the, even within uh, Trinidad, and also the fact he's known as a very tactical and astute captain, I think it would probably be more natural for someone like Pollard to kind of step up to be a coach. But I think. Because of his legacy in T20 cricket, I think he would walk into a job anyway, similar to Lara. I don't think Lara is a one-off. I think if Narine, if Narine wanted to, if he was a good talker, if he had that charisma, then Narine could be a probably a coach based on his legacy. Narine, DJ Bravo, uh, Andre Russell, Kyron Pollard, Chris Gale, all the goats, because they've achieved so much in the format. I think franchises would take the risk and get it. Now, the, the other question that leads to is, if you're a, a a Floyd Reefer and or Nikita Miller is a good example, as you mentioned. How what is the pathway to even get to a head coach role within a franchise? Because it almost seems blocked off at the regional level. You can get a regional role, but then you're not particularly trusted to get a franchise role where they tend to get overseas coaches a lot of the time. So what is the pathway between proving your credentials at regional level and getting a CPL job? And this would where we've seen Pollard call for it, we've called for it. A regional T20 cricket separate from the CPL would be perfect just for the coaching opportunities as well. If Nikita Miller coached the Jamaica side in a Carib T20 tournament, did well, showed he was tactically astute, he might get an opportunity to be an assistant coach at Jamaica Talawas in the CPL. So that sort of pathway is missing for regional coaches who are working on the ground and do have their coaching badges. That's a really good point. And I'll use one example to highlight this. So this year in CPL, uh, TKR's head coach is Abhishek Nair. Honest to God, I'd never heard of this brother before until somebody told me that he was the head coach of TKR. Now, the <laughs> the reason why I bring it, <laughs> the reason why Listen, I bring this said, up, though, man said, "Who is buying Lara? Who is Abhishek Nair? <laughs> it's all going off tonight." <laughs> Listen, late nights watching CPL has sent me do, do Lally, man. <laughs> um, but when when people told me he was the head coach, because I'm actually going to make a serious point out of this. A couple of years back, Nikita Miller was assistant head coach to Brendan McCullum uh, mm. when he was head coach of, of TKR. I think that was the year that TKR even won the competition. So 2020, I think he was assistant head coach then, right? And then last year, was uh, St. Kitts won it. I think Simon Helmut was the head coach and Donovan Miller was the assistant to Simon Helmut. So my thing is this. you got two West Indians who are assistant head coaches in CPL franchises Neither one has been allowed to step up. Do, do, do you get what I'm coming? And I'm not trying to critique franchises. I'm not even trying to critique franchises. I think it just echoes the point you're you're making here. So you can be part. You can be a West Indian head coach and part of a successful franchise. Two years later, now TKR. It's not like they've turned to Nikita Miller and went, "Oh yeah, you were the assistant when we when we won in 2020. Your time now." Like, do, do, do you see? What I mean, so I, I don't know. I'm not saying it does, but I don't know if that speaks to a hesitant. A hesitancy to give the head coach positions at franchises to non-big names because like you said we mentioned Shiv earlier on Shiv's got it but Shiv's a big name he's a legend of the game he's a legend of the game as well 
Yeah, I think I think it's partly as you as I said earlier. I think it's partly PR. If you get a Tom Moody or Andy Flower, that's a story in itself. You can hype it up as him being a head coach. Adds a bit of glamour to it because of their credentials. So it seems like franchises are looking partly for that aspect as well, which is why you don't often see players without that name credential, someone like a Nikita Miller being given a head coach of a franchise, because you'd imagine from a fan base point of view, and in terms of like the PR around it, they probably would say it'd be underwhelming um, for Nikita Miller to head coach Trimbago, even though he would be deserving of it. As you said, he was assistant coach when they won it in 2020. So for me, the dynamics of franchise cricket means that it's going to be very hard for coaches without a playing credential or big name aura to kind of get the job because as well as your technical ability and knowledge it feels like part of it is that kind of presence that you have and your publicity and your reach around the world um in getting the job so yeah it's it's a different dynamic but I'd imagine because of the skewed economics within franchise cricket it's always going to be this way like you can't imagine with the money invested into franchises they would give an opportunity it'd be less and less likely they'll give an opportunity to someone to prove their name they'd rather have an established name to get their money's worth essentially just before uh, I open the door for the people banging it down yes I am aware that Abhishek Nayar is the assistant head coach for KKR so obviously that makes sense he goes to TKR I just looked that up. But the other thing that we should just point out, Santoki, before they come for us in the comments, is that, of course, people are going to say, yeah, but Darren Sammy is the head coach of St. Lucia Kings. But that's an anomaly because of Darren Sammy might as well be royalty in St. Lucia. Mm. And Darren Sammy also doesn't have coaching credentials to suddenly be head coach of St. Lucia Kings. But you could argue, Santoki, that even in Sammy's case, people are going to laugh when I say this, but do you get it when I say even he's kind of a GOAT? In the yeah. kind of, in the kind of larger than life, his his profile makes him a goat. If you see, what I mean, he's won the World Cup twice. So he gets goat yeah. status, basically. So yeah, like, you, can't, you can't use that. Yeah, because his playing record might not match up to like Andre Russell or Pollard, but the fact he was captain of a World Cup winning side, he won the World Cup twice. Um, just his legacy, like and how popular he is in like Pakistan and things like that. His his personality and his credentials all add up, so he would be in line with a, a goat status to kind of get the job. And as you said, he's got a stadium named after him in Saint Lucia. It would make sense that he got the role because he is he he's an anomaly in the sense that he's got royal status in St. Lucia. Like, no one else has achieved what he has in St. Lucia. So he'll always get that pass and opportunity. There'd be uproar if he didn't. 100%. Listen, people, <laughs> there's been a lot of controversial statements in this episode. <laughs> 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 we we don't know which one's going to be clipped <laughs> to, go out, to go out on the socials there. But if you've got a problem with anything that we just said, because at the end of the day, even... Even with like some of the kind of major statements we made in in this episode, there are some actual important talking points there, though. Really, like we do want to stress, what do you think about the potential natural pathways for talented Caribbean coaches? And where do they go if they if they can't coach CPL sides, if they can't get opportunities with the West Indies? Where do they go? Do they need to be a goat? on the cricket field to be able to get wider opportunities. What happens to your people like Donovan Miller, who have got the highest qualifications you can get, but still don't get the top, top jobs uh, on a, on a regular basis. Hit us in the comments below. If you're watching this visual, if you're listening to this on the, the, the podcast app of your choice, you can at us, Carib Cricket, Twitter, Instagram, etc. But Santoki, that's goodbye from me. Is it goodbye from you? Yes, goodbye for me, and I'm off to Google who is by and large. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Stay locked, people. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santolki at Santolki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!